Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever FH4L, The Bunker, The Few Hogs for Life podcast, where we are fueling our veterans with the knowledge, the know-how, the be, know, and do to empower their daily lives and be successful, man. I'm pleased to have uh, our host with the most, my brother in arms, man, my fellow compadre on the uh, on the air tonight, Mr. Michael DeVee. He comes with a whole wealth and host of knowledge for all VA benefits and everything that you need to know in order to be in the know. So there's that. Uh, Mike, go ahead and introduce yourself to the people, my man, and let's get started, bro. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on, man. It's a pleasure to be the inaugural guest. I've yes, never sir. been the inaugural guest before. Hey, rip the plastic off, man. We acting brand new. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to put that on the CV. That's CVable. Come yeah, on. man. It's great for everybody listening. It's got, you got a lot of benefits that are available to you. And the, you know, the hardest part of it is knowing whether or not it's going to be worth your time to put in this application. They, you know, they make it through portals. They have different types of, you know, you got to get information from one entity and port that over to somewhere like the VA. So you have to sometimes be in charge. So in information on what you need to submit. And then from there, even if you have to submit this information and it gets denied, you got to appeal. If I could boil the whole show down to one sentence, it would be put the application in as clear, you know, complete as you can. And if you get denied, then, uh, appeal they'll give you a letter you know the end of any va correspondence you get the last three pages are your rights to appeal go ahead and do whatever one of those you know mm. fits your situation the most so yeah just never take the first answer you know be told no several times does you know may take some time and some money on your part but yeah just you know keep getting denied and i know this mm -hmm. oh sorry go ahead <laughs> no problem yeah, no, I, I I was great. I'm glad you started with that about being, uh, you know, be told no more than once, right? Because, you know, being out of the army for four years now, it's like so many people say, hey, man, if, are you using this or are you using that? They're, oh, man, I did this or I'm, I'm in the middle of a pill process. But so many people get discouraged. So I'm, I'm really glad that you started with that. And especially as it relates to, let's say, education benefits or whether it's health benefits or the process or trying to get your claim, you know, boosted up or whatever, trying to get your, that, that coveted 100%, you know, total and permanent, man, being, you're going to get told no. The system is designed as a default to say, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, you don't need this benefit or you don't qualify or there's an extra piece of paperwork that you need to fill out throughout the application process. So I didn't mean to interrupt. I just thought that was so poignant, man, because if anybody get anything about it, that's like you said, you wrapped it up in one sentence. Keep applying. Well, I was like, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's just, uh, I didn't even plan that. It was just in my mind. I was thinking, you know, how do I how do I know what I'm getting ready to talk about? And it's from putting in the applications on my side. You know, I wasn't in the service, so I've used the transfer GI Bill for my mom. And I also have the Chapter 35 uh, dependent stipend. Uh, so when you're in school and when you're putting in your own applications, sometimes, you know, you gather all the information for them, turn it in, they deny you, and you're trying to figure out what's wrong. And it just turns out that, you know, your packet was reviewed at a glance by, you know, somebody that was like looking for a certain type of thing. And, you know, it might not be your fault. It could be that you left something off, but when you appeal, you kind of have to ask them what's going on. I've seen it from all sides. When I was an undergrad, I worked as the uh, VA peer advisor, pretty much as a work study job for the veterans office at UC Irvine. 
and you pretty much crunch the beginning part on the VA one system of all the different, uh, you know, you had to fill out your sheet and say, Hey, I'm taking three units online, mm-hmm. nine units in person. So this, uh, veteran requests would get submitted, we'd submit it to the computer, and then there'd be an administrator at the school that would submit it for payment. And that is how the VA was told to send you the BAH or your monthly housing allowance each month, in addition to your book stipend. So what you were reporting to the school through the registrar, usually like everybody's seen it, if you've been to college on the GI Bill, like you're held up at the business office, financial office, because a bill hasn't come in from like one of your military payers yet, whether it's the Mm -hmm. VA, TA, seen that a lot. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing too. Even though our time at the uh, the other university, right? <laughs> um, but I always noticed that a lot of people like the process. It, it is a process. So, would you say, in order to stay above it, is to like get registered and all of your stuff, you know, far in advance if you can, like as soon as the registration is open, so there is no delay uh, with your stuff while you're at the school in terms of your your VA being submitted in time and things of that nature to the office? Yeah, if you can get it in before time, the way that works on the administrative side is the person that is submitting all of, because you're submitting one claim, they're submitting a couple hundred. So they're either going to be the person that tries to knock out everything up front before the first day of the semester they can. There's certain time limits that they can't put too much information in because you still can drop after the first week. So you open up the file, you pretty much get it prepped. And then after the ad drop period is when they have to submit the bill to the government. And that's when you get your email and it says, hey, you've been submitted for nine credit hours, three distance hours. So, yeah, if you can get it in beforehand, you are much better off on being on that first tier of people that goes out. But at the end of the day, as long as you get it in before when the school sets in, they have like an internal guideline must be done by week two, week Mm -hmm. one. As long as you get it in by then, I think you're going to be fine. But as with all things, I've seen it to where you've submitted it. And for some reason, either the school didn't get it in, or it's just been, you know, mistake or something like that, or the VA has it and they're just they need more time to review it. So you do everything right. I got you. Did you break up a little bit there? I can you laugh now. Yeah, yeah, I might have broken up a little bit there. Okay, now you get so yeah, the, they submit the payment on your behalf. Earlier you can get it in, the better. But if you're ever in a situation where you're running late. Just, just go ahead and do it, you know, instead of like saying, oh, I'll just go ahead and pay this one in cash. They may be able to make an exception to policy as long as you're not like week 10 out of 12 saying, I might want to use my GI Bill kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So I, I think it's important that we, we back up just a hair, right? What is the difference for those who, people who out there that don't know? What's the difference between chapter 33 and 35, because I don't know, we use them interchangeably a lot of the times. We would just say yeah, VA yeah, benefits yeah. as a catch-all, right? Your VA education benefit as a catch-all, but th- there's there's obviously different chapters with different qualifications, so on and so forth. So if you could, real quick, just break down the, the, the differences between the, those two in particular. Yeah, yeah, so I'll give you the first one. Chapter 33 is the post-9-11 GI Bill. This is the standard education benefit that most folks that served 180 days after 9-11 are eligible for. There's certain service-related tiers that determine how much of the GI Bill you get. Uh, or if there's so many years of active duty service, you get access to, in most circumstances, the full uh, 36-month benefit. And from there, that gives you the four years of like a bachelor's degree, if that's what you wanted to do. The post-9-11 GI Bill is unique in that in addition to paying all of your tuition and fees, 
at the school directly. They send you a monthly housing allowance. I believe they call it and what they've got going on up there is just they're going to pay for the school directly. So it's not like TA where there's situations where like they cover, you know, the beginning of the portion, but you owe $42 or something like that. Post 9-11 GI Bill is covering all the tuition and fees at the school, paying you the money for the monthly housing. And then they're also going to give you a thousand dollar a year book stipend. And that's broken up based on the amount of times that you have uh, class. So if you have uh, just, you know, two semesters, they give you somewhat like half and half. If you're in like a trimester school or you do summer school, it's going to keep giving it to you until you max out that thousand oh, dollars. Wow. So that's the GI Bill. That's the primary one that people that have done more than 180 days of service have. And the other one there is Chapter 35. This is not a benefit for veterans. It's actually for dependents of veterans who are service-connected disabled. So they have a minimum threshold cutoff of the disability, and I believe it was 10%, but I'm going to need to double-check there, between 10 to 20% disability. And from there, your dependents would be eligible for 45 months of a stipend paid to them directly. Uh, right now, the stipend that I'm getting for a graduate degree, which is 75% enrollment. So the equivalent of taking three out of four classes in a full-time route, oh, they're wow. paying me, uh, it's probably like $1,100 a month. So if you were to go full-time in a program that pays the dependent out, maybe somewhere between a thousand to $1,500 a month, uh, you have to be enrolled in an approved education. So pretty much the accredited ones mm -hmm. and you have to be pursuing a degree. So they wouldn't let you just go crazy on classes they're going to want you working on something, but it's a benefit for disabled for your service in the military. As well, talk to somebody about Chapter 35. Uh, once you hit a certain disability milestone and they uh, finalize it for you, when you get out, they mail it to you. They send one to you in the mail that say you have dependents that may be eligible for this benefit. But mm -hmm. if you don't get the mail, can you know give you some information on what uh, look at your dd214 see if you might qualify and then you put this application in for them uh, they can use this after the gi bill is done so this let's say you have two kids and you want to give half and half gi bills they're still welcome to use the chapter 35 stipend later on and mm -hmm. you know it's a big help it doesn't pay the tuition and fees so that's where it's different from the gi bill this one you're still going to be on the hook for the tuition and fees but they're going to pay you this thousand dollar stipend or so each month directly very nice see because yeah there's, there's so many different little nuances out there that people kind of just either brush over or they they wait for either too long to either be in that same realm so is there a to that to that point is there a particular time frame let's say i'm, I'm a veteran i just got out i did however many years in or i retired out right and then my child comes along and wishes to use that uh, chapter 35, right? We get them set up, him and her set up for that chapter 35. Is there a time frame in which you have to use that by, or is it like an indefinite available to that that dependent of that service member to, to utilize? It does cut off. So they have okay. a cutoff on there. And what you have to do is, so once I was approved for it, they told me I had seven years to finish the benefit. So oh, putting wow. the application in triggered a seven-year timeline. But I've read on the internet, specifically for my situation, that if you're over uh, 26 and you've got the benefit after you were 26, you can try to put in an appeal and see if they would let you extend it past that seven-year guideline. I haven't reached that place yet. I'm finishing my degree here at the end of this uh, 
year in December. So I got this one done, but I still have like 36 months left. Okay. So I need to decide if I can, you know, get another one in. But yes, so you do have to uh, start it and finish it within a certain period of time. But whether or not you are immediately eligible, probably not because you're not uh, service connected disabled while you're mm. still in some circumstances. So if you have a delayed claim and then it gets to a point where you still want to look into the chapter 35, I, you know, reach out to the veteran service officer, tell them that, you know, you do have a service connected disability and you want to make sure that your kids have the education stipend. Okay, perfect. Perfect. And I, we're going to wrap this up, too, because I, I want to be a great steward of your time, sir, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> but no, all great points. Um, and I think finally, when you talk about the service-connected disability, you mentioned 10 percent, 20 cent before. Um, let's transition to the uh, VR&E, all right, that, that were formerly yeah. known as the, the, the Vogue Rehab. And I, I know my time in, everybody always talked about, man, I just get out and go do Vogue Rehab. They made it sound like it was this quick uneventful, you know, lackadaisical process in which you just go down talk to your VA rep and you get signed up for this Vogue Rehab to either continue your education or can get a new job or whatever the case may be. But if you could, can we can we speak to that just for a moment? Because I know, again, that VRNE has, again, formerly Vogue Rehab for all of my old veterans out there. Like, oh, man, I got Vogue Rehab. But uh, they did change the name in... Uh, I didn't know much about it then in particular, but I know right now there's a lot of stipulations that you must meet in order to, you know, qualify for that particular benefit on you, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So the top thing that you need to take a look at there is it starts if you are at 10% and once you're over 20%, that is the uh, top threshold there in order for you to get the VR and E. The Chapter 31 Voc Rehab is a program that is separate from the GI Bill. One can still use their GI Bill and the Chapter 31 benefits okay. because Chapter 31 is geared at taking into consideration your disability and then applying that to whatever position that you want to get. It's geared to get you the minimum education needed to do the job that you want to do after getting out of the military. So this one is a little bit different in that compared to the GI Bill, where you're really just like, you know, you're given this based on the amount of time you were in, the Chapter 31 Voc Rehab, you have to be approved by a counselor. You get assigned an individual counselor. We worked with a bunch of them while we were, I was a VA school certifying official, so we would always be working with them. They're the payment folks. You need to mm -hmm. call them to get the schedule approved. And there's times where they read your schedule and they say, these classes weren't on the original degree plan that you submitted three years ago. What's going on with this? Turns out it's just an elective. You need to get it done anyway. And, you know, so they're monitoring your class load. They're going to pay for all of the tuition and fees. So the Voc Rehab does not have a tuition or fee cost for the veteran. And then from there, you get a monthly stipend for your housing allowance. And this one comes in, I think the top line is around $3,000. That's the most they'll give somebody for Voc Rehab on a housing stipend. And sometimes the GI Bill can have a higher stipend based on the location you're at. They give you the stipend on the GI Bill based on an E5 with dependence, uh, BAH for the active duty, and they'll do that based on your zip code. So in certain circumstances, you may want to take a look at using Voc Rehab or just using your GI Bill. For some folks, they want to take a look at using the Voc Rehab up front and then from there, that gets you the bachelor's degree that will give you the, you know, say you want to be a doctor, a nurse, let's say you want to get an MBA, you know, business school, 
your minimum education to get into that is the bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. So they pay for your bachelor's degree. But I've had circumstances where the job that somebody wants, like a licensed professional counselor, requires a master's degree minimum. They don't let you see patients with a bachelor's degree in most of those uh, counseling situations. Probably all, all of them. And counselor approve you based on your employment handicap for a larger benefit, such as a master's degree. Mm-hmm. I was doing some research before the show, and I in the chat GPT to see what they would find. And I asked if it would cover a medical or a law degree, and it says traditionally no, because there, you know, folk rehab is set up to get you the minimum job to get into there. Mm-hmm. But since there is no uh, opportunity for you to become a lawyer or a doctor with a bachelor's degree, if you have the employment handicap that they mm-hmm. deem necessary, the veteran counselor, they may pay for it. And I've seen that with the master's degree in practice for folks that were in psychology wanting to become counselors, they wouldn't wow. pay for your PsyD. Uh, from what I saw, but in one circumstance, we did have uh, somebody that was pursuing a master's degree. Froze at the very got out there a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I got it now though. But not not all great points, and I hope everybody caught that at the end. And uh, and I don't want to brush past that part when you mentioned uh, with that VRNE, right? That so you're again to your point, right? It's not just a run of the mill, hey. I want this, I get this, right? Because that counselor holds, is the gatekeeper, so to speak, on whether or not that benefit is going to be afforded to you. So you're talking at least, okay, proving that you're, you can't maintain your current level of employment, right? Uh, due to your service-connected disability, that 10 or that 20%, right? That service-connected disability is hindering you from you from accomplishing your current job, right? So you, you connect that dot, then you got to get into the, the realm of, okay, well, what profession that you're trying to get into, right? And proving the fact that, hey, here's my plan. Like you said, whether it's a bachelor's or master's, whatever the case may be, here's my plan to that counselor to say, this is how I can transition from this because I can't do this due to my service-connected disability, but I can do this. And this transitions me into a whole new field of possibilities, so to speak. So it's... uh it's a lot of work <laughs> you know? and that's why i recommend just putting in the application for each one that you think you might be eligible for because let them tell you no let them tell you a hundred times uh that you're you know not eligible because if you take a look at it and you just you know you say oh I, you know if you know outright that you're not eligible then it's different but if you're just unsure and it looks like it's a kind of stressful process uh get one of those uh, veteran service officers they have them in uh, most towns they rent you know like office space uh in saint robert they do it in the uh where the mayor's office in the city hall so they've got one there so sometimes you just want to talk to somebody about it most of the time the information is on the internet but sometimes it's a little bit dense it's kind of hidden behind different landing pages and you need to have certain links but you know if you're savvy on the internet you find it great but if not you know grab one of those uh, vsos because that's what they're employed to do you know get you the information and guide you on the process so that you can submit, you know, your application. Absolutely. Now, I, I love it. I, I think that's a great point to end it on. Uh, contacting your VSOs, getting out there and actually making contact with your VA. Because I'm guilty of this. Uh, being out and just not really talking to the VA. But I do live right outside of military installation. So all my knowledge I still can get as if, you know, I'm still active duty, man. But no, thank you so much, Mike. Dude, I think this is a great first episode. I think we threw a lot of information out there. 
And again, uh, you mind telling the people where they can reach you if they had any questions in particular uh, as it relates to any of these benefits so you can drop some links, point them in the right direction on where to go? Yeah, yeah. What I'll do is I'll just go through the, the programs that we did real quick just so Perfect. people can find them without even having to find somebody else to get them. <laughs> I love so it. So the first one, it. Chapter 31, Voc Rehab. This is for people that have a service-connected disability. You meet with a counselor. They pay for all your tuition and fees, and they pay you a monthly stipend. If you take that program, uh, there's more involvement from the Voc Rehab counselor. There's Chapter 33, which is the post-9-11 GI Bill. Most people after 9-11 have it if they uh, were on active duty, and that one's going to pay all your tuition and fees, and they're going to pay you the monthly stipend and a yearly book stipend as well. And the last one was the Chapter 35 uh, survivor stipend, and that's for folks that are 100% permanent total disabled, <clears throat> excuse me, disabled. And from there, they have uh, dependent children that in most circumstances, I looked it up here while we were on, is they have 10 years to use the benefit from 18 but you can apply for an exception. And I am an exception of that because I applied to start using them at like 26 mm -hmm. and they've given me the 45 months, but I got denied. I had to put in another application, but this one is different from the Voc Rehab and the chapter 33 in that you only get a stipend. They're not gonna pay your tuition and fees. So okay. it's slightly less benefit, but it's still great because I looked it up again and it's a $1,400 a month maximum payment for full-time enrollment. And you can use it for apprenticeships, on the job training trades, the same with the GI Bill. And yeah, that's it. Chapter 31, 33, 35, we went over. Hey, you the man, brother. I'm on the internet at M-I-K-E-D-A-V-I-D-B-I-Z. You can find me on Instagram. I do some content on finance and real estate and other things there. But if any veterans need help, hit myself up, hit Fikes up. We'll take a look at it for you. Most of the time, you know, I can't really do anything for you, but I'll tell you what, I will, you know, you can give me a call and I'll take a look at it. Yep. No, absolutely. The same thing here, man. I, I think it's a it's a great first episode for the 541 Project. Uh, everybody out there, that's what we're trying to do. We're just literally trying to get down to the grassroots level of what resources are available, uh, provide you the links and the, the where to in order to uh, get said benefits started because as a veteran that served the United States, you're entitled to these things, and a lot of the times it's just a matter of knowing where to go. So we'll continue to try to do that on the uh, the FH4L, the Few Hawk for Life Bunker Podcast. And thank you, sir. Um, I think this would be a, a, a great way to do it. Tell a friend to tell a friend where to find the show. We're going to be available on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Podbeam, YouTube, any and every week at your podcast. We'll probably do these uh, VA benefit shows on a quarterly basis or maybe on a monthly basis, depending on availability. So, and all the new ladies and changes to PACT Act, we'll probably discover that in episode two. But uh, get at the 541 Project. We're going to be telling veteran stories. It's, it's, we're trying to build a platform of for us by us, all right, for the veterans by the veterans and connect everybody with everything they need to know. So, Mike, thank you for your time, sir. Thank Ladies you. Thank you for having me. We'll be already. back. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. Ladies okay. and gentlemen, again, this has been a few hog for life, the FH4L Bunker Podcast, where we are empowering, fueling veterans, fueling the conversations that empower our veterans. That's the motto. Fueling the conversations that empower our veterans. There it is. It's a, a mouthful, but we'll be all right. <laughs> that on a t-shirt. Go ahead and put it on a hoodie. There it is, man. In the meantime, in between time, everybody stay blessed. And uh, talk to you VSOs, man.
Yeah, put an application in right now. Right now. (laughs) Right now, if you got the time. Go do it. All right. (laughs)